Good morning to you. What a joy it is to worship Jesus this morning. Amen? Wow. Um, I just want to say thank you to the many that serve every single week to lead us in worship. In case you don't know, my name is Kyle, and it's just a joy to be with you. I want to tell you really quick why we teach about Jesus and the teachings of Jesus here at this church, okay? The reason why we teach about Jesus and the reason why we teach the teachings of Jesus is because we want you to know the only way to God, and we want you to know the best way to live this life. And we find the only way to God through Jesus, and we find the best way to live this life through the teachings of Jesus. One big thing uh, when it comes to life and just doing every day, just going about our business is money. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this subject that causes people to either get excited or scared or in between or all over at the same time. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about this idea of being strapped. So help me out for just a moment. Would you participate? Would you help me out? How many of you would say that a little more money would make life a little bit better? By raising your hand, a little bit more money would make life just a little bit better. Anybody? All right, we got some honest people in the room. There's some of you, we're going to go back to our childhood. You did not raise your hand, and we are going to look at you, and we're going to say, liar, liar, pants on fire. Right? Oh, man, just a little bit more money. Dave Ramsey, a great teacher on money, a very biblical uh, teacher on money, uh, he says this about money. He says, money is fun if you got some. Huh? Problem is, some of us don't got some, do we, right? Money is fun if you got some. The problem is, a lot of people are strapped because they've made some totally boneheaded decisions when it comes to money. Let's see how honest we are in the room again. How many of you have made boneheaded decisions? You already got your, you know, yeah, yeah, that's me, boneheaded decisions with money. If you're like me, you've made some boneheaded decisions with a lot of zeros on the end too, right? Yeah, boneheaded, boneheaded. Well, as we talk about money and we think about some of the mistakes or the many mistakes we've made with money, I'm not bringing that up this morning to make you feel guilty. Um, if that resonates in your heart, so be it. I'm really just wanting us to get a clear picture of where we've been, where we are, so we can get to where we need to be. Some of this that we're going to talk about as we get a godly perspective, money is going to be uncomfortable, but we're going to embrace the uncomfortableness of it and look to God's Word. So we want to begin this morning in Proverbs chapter 22. We're going to look at three or four verses this morning throughout Scripture, but we're going to begin in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 7. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 7. And from all the hands that went up earlier, it sounds like this is exactly where we need to be uh, right now. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. It says, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. So according to Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 7, what is the borrower? Help me out. Come on, talk to me. What is the borrower? Say it. Come on. Servant to the yeah, servant. 
We literally could say slave. We literally could say in bondage to. The one who is borrowing is a servant, a slave. That's a pretty strong word, isn't it? And or in bondage to the lender. Now, I don't think most people walk around saying, I'm a slave to money. But I do think we say things that imply that truth. For instance, man, I'd love to marry my girlfriend, but we just can't afford it. What are they saying? I'm strapped. I'm enslaved right now. I I can't do this. We'd love to start a family right now, or we'd love to have another kid, or we'd love to adopt another child into our family, but we just can't do it right now. We just don't have enough money. We're strapped We'd love to get a little bit bigger home for our family because we're growing. Or we'd love to no longer rent. We'd love to buy a home. But we just can't do it right now because we just don't have enough money. Some might say, man, I'd love to help people in need. I'd love to feed hungry kids. But I got three hungry ones at home that I got to take care of. And I just can't do it right now because of all the expenses. Or, man, I'd love to go on a mission trip. But I just can't afford to do it. I would love to give more when the offering bucket comes around or online or whichever way you prefer to give, but I just can't do it right now. I just can't afford it. What are we saying when we say things like this? I'm strapped. I'm overwhelmed. I've got more going out than I've got coming in. We might literally be saying, I'm a servant. I'm a slave. I'm in bondage to those that I owe. Well, let me give you a little snapshot. A little picture with some numbers and some stats of where we are in the good old USA. And I'm just here to tell you you're not going to like any of these numbers. All right, I'm just going to warn you. You're not going to like any of them. One of the reasons why you're going to like them because it kind of gives us where we are as a whole. For some of you, this is going to hit really close to home. You're going to be like, I'm one of the reasons why that number is so high or that number is so ugly. All right, but let me just share this with you. First number that's going to come up there is 122%. 122 percent. This is the average household debt of middle class Americans, meaning they owe at least 122 percent of their annual income in debt. So, whatever you make per year as a family, you owe that plus another 22 percent on average. Check out this next one. $16,883. That number represents of middle class Americans with a, um, let me back up. Wipe out middle class. This is just average overall. Average credit card debt for those carrying a balance. Average credit card balance, average credit card debt for those carrying a balance. This next number just makes me want to just lose what's inside of me. Over one trillion with a T. That represents the total credit card debt in America today. Credit card debt. And we talk bad about our government, right? Credit card debt. And it includes your house and your cars. Credit card debt. This next one, 43%. Again, this is within the middle class on this one. Uh, 43% of middle class 
with credit card, carrying a credit card balance over two years. So of middle class people, 43% are carrying not just credit cards and using a balance on their credit card of over two years. Never have paid it off in the last two years. This next one is staggering as well, 70%. This number represents, of those in the middle class, who have less than $1,000 cash that they can access for emergency. 70% of middle class Americans cannot get their hands on $1,000 cash immediately to take care of an immediate need. This next one, uh, $50,626. This is the average student loan debt. Uh, Dave Ramsey talks about student loan debt, and he said some of you have had student loans so debt you just think it's your pet. You know what I'm saying? It's been around forever. $50,000. Well, I, I think the word strapped is applicable. I think in bondage might be the better term. What's normal? Normal is debt. Normal is car payments. Normal is credit card payments. Normal is house payments. Normal is rent due. Normal is a student loan payment. Normal is divorcing over finances. Normal is losing sleep over money. I believe as followers of Jesus, we aren't called to normal. We're called to be different. And I think as we follow Jesus, these numbers don't represent who we are. It may represent everybody else, but we do things different. We're called to be different. Well, if you had a lot of money, it'd be different, right? May I suggest to you that the person that you are with a little bit of money will be the person that you are with a lot of money. It's a heart issue. The Word of God makes that really clear and really We're going to look now to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. We're going to look at a a teaching of Jesus about money. Um, It's interesting to know that about two-thirds of the teachings, in particular the stories or parables of Jesus, the stories or parables of Jesus, about two-thirds of his stories and parables are about money and possessions. Throughout Scripture, uh, excuse me, throughout the Books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, about one out of every ten verses is about money or possessions. Throughout the whole word of God, money and possessions is talked about, taught about, about five times as much as prayer and faith. Money, money. Well, let's read Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. Jesus says, no one can do what? Read it for me. No one can what? No one can serve two masters. I mean, I don't know how it works for you at work, but, you know, if you've got got some layers of bosses, it gets kind of frustrating, doesn't it, when they both think they're in charge and one of them tells you to do one thing and one of them tells you to do the other. Anybody experience that at work? Some of you do, right? You're like, everybody thinks they're in charge and, you know, you can't really say no to either one and and you're like, it's impossible, right? You're frustrated right now because you're trying to serve two bosses. You know it's impossible, Well, Jesus makes it clear, just this simple principle that we'd all agree with. Nobody can serve two masters. He goes on to say, For you will hate one and love the other. 
you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he makes this very emphatic statement. You cannot serve, finish it for me, you cannot serve, you cannot serve both God and money. It's impossible. Can't be done. You cannot do it. You cannot serve God and serve money. He's saying you're either going to do one or the other. Think about all the other things Jesus could have said in this moment, right? He could have said you cannot serve two masters, which we'd agree. I think anybody anywhere would agree. That's a true principle. We all get that one. But when we went further and he said you cannot serve God and money, he could have said you cannot serve God and power. I think that would probably be true too. He said, uh, he didn't say, excuse me, he didn't say you, you cannot serve God and popularity. He didn't say you cannot serve God and yourself. Or he didn't say you cannot serve God and your sexual desires. Or fill in the blank, he chose to say you cannot serve God and money. Why all the many things that we could serve that could mess our lives up royally would Jesus choose to say about two masters that you can't serve God and money. Well, I'm guessing that it's because he knows us well and he knows that money is something that is going to tempt us often and be a competitor for the focus of our heart. Because this whole thing that we're talking about today when it comes to money and when it comes to possessions, when it comes to God, we're talking about heart issues. A lot of times we think we're talking about bank issues or wallet issues or we're talking about heart issues. You cannot serve God and money. Well, I don't serve money, some may say. No way. I would never serve money. Yet many of us have bought things we don't really want with money that we don't have to impress people we don't even like. You know what you're doing in that moment? You are giving in to the powers and the lure of money. You think that the promises that it gives you, that you'll be satisfied or you'll feel better or you'll look better are true and you're buying into it and you are finding yourselves in those moments, yourself in those moments serving money rather than God. If you've ever hoarded money, and I think there's a big difference between hoarding money and saving money. I don't think there's anything wrong with saving money for good godly reasons. But if you've ever hoarded money and you've got your stack there and you feel comfortable and you feel confident and you feel safe because you've hoarded your stack of money and you don't feel like anything can touch you and your follow-up to that is there's no way I'm going to give God any portion of that. There's no way I'm going to tithe. Guess what you're telling the world? I'm going to serve and believe in and trust in, and adore, and give my allegiance to my money, and not to God. If you've ever compromised your family for the sake of climbing the ladder, with good motives, right? Man, I want to give my kids what I never had. Man, I want them to experience a lifestyle that my parents couldn't give me, and so I'm just going to go, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to get, and I'm going to get so I can give my kids what they want. And yet your wife, your spouse, and your kids are sitting there saying, all we really want right now is you. And if you find yourself pursuing 
top of that ladder for those types of reasons, and your family is leaving wanting you, and it's very likely that you're under the power and the influence of money. Look now to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Very important scripture when it comes to money because I think there's a lot of confusion about money. I think there's a lot of confusion about what the Bible has to say about money. This is one of those uh, verses that's misquoted often. And I know most of you in this room would probably say, no, I know exactly what it says. Well, for those of you that don't, we want to clarify here. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, this verse gets misquoted all the time, and people say things like, for money is the root of all kinds of evil. No, money's not the root of all kinds of evil. In fact, money's neutral. It's not good or it's not bad. Um, it is the love of money. It's how we approach it, how we handle it, what we do with it, our attitude towards it, our affection towards it that determines what it does. But it says the love of money is the root of all evil. And if that is true, and I believe that it is, it makes sense as to why Jesus would choose to say you cannot serve God and, and he said, money. Because he knows that money and an affection for it that is misappropriated just messes everything up in life. I mean, we would probably all, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, we've probably all done things for money that we wouldn't have done if it wouldn't have been for money. And some of those things are foolish and boneheaded like we talked about before. Um, I was recounting this story last night. We got to hang out at a wedding and see some folks we hadn't seen in a long time and uh, the girl got married last night. I've known her since she was a kid, and, and she's doing well. And uh, we got to go to her wedding and hung out with her brother, who I know really well, spent a lot of time with. I was his student pastor a lot of years ago, and we were recounting stories, and he's got one of those brains. He remembers everything. In fact, he and three of his buddies, they were young teenagers at the time. They were in our wedding, and they were kind of the, you know, the, you know the, what do you call them when you seat people? Uh, what would you say? Ushers, thank you. Yeah, they were the ushers. Anyway, and uh, boneheaded is a pretty good word to describe all four of these boys. And I actually had forgotten this, but he remembered that I actually gave them all specific rules that they had to follow to be ushers at our wedding. And he gave those to us. Well, he probably needed more of those rules than anybody, but we recounted one guy that was in our wedding. His name was Sir William. Yes, that was his given name, Sir William. And I'll never forget, at Bog Springs Camp, as a young teenager, I got called to the nurse's station to check on Sir William because he had bumped his head. Why did Sir William bump his head? Because somebody said that they would pay him to climb up on top of the water tower and jump off. I'll never forget it. I walked in there, and he's all dazed. He's probably concussed, and, you know, we're getting ready to take him to the hospital. And I'm like, what were you thinking? And he said, they paid me. And I don't know if he reached in his pocket, crumpled up $8 bills he jumped off a water tower for. And I'll never forget, I took that money from him, I threw it on the ground. I said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, I just went off on him. But how many stupid things have we done for little? Find ourselves wanting money bad enough that we'll do anything to get it or needing money bad enough because some other boneheaded decision that we'll do anything to get it. And all of a sudden, it, it's not just running our lives. Money is ruining our lives, ruining our lives. 
Again, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And listen what it goes on to say. Listen to the intensity in what God is teaching us. And some people craving money. You know what it is to crave something? Like you just got, you, you got to have it. You got to have it. Craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Do you hear the heart of God for you in the teaching of Scripture right now? He's like, I'm telling you this not because I don't like money and not because I don't want you to have money and not because I don't want you to have fun and experience good things and have a great lifestyle. He's like, no, when you pursue it and you love it and it's what you want and it becomes your master, it's going to ruin your life. And he says, it's like being pierced with many sorrows. Pierced with many sorrows. Again, money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is... The warning is about loving money and serving money. Loving money and serving money. And God wants to warn us against the trap and the sorrow that serving and loving money can bring. So we talked about normal a few minutes ago, what normal looks like in our culture. Uh, Let's talk about what it looks like if we're a follower of Jesus, okay? Let's talk about the view we ought to have of money. This is going to be in your notes. It's going to come on the screen, and that is this. We, followers of Jesus... We don't serve money. We serve God. Say that first sentence with me. We don't serve money. We serve God. Say it with me. We don't serve money. We serve God. Maybe for some of you right now, this is a huge moment. Some of you are like, well, of course, of course. But some of you are like, I've been, I've been doing the opposite. I've been doing the opposite. As followers of Jesus, money doesn't rule our lives, and therefore money doesn't ruin our lives. We don't serve money. We serve God. Why? Because we can't serve both God and money. we got to pick one. And as believers, as followers of Jesus, we recognize God is way better than money. So we serve him. And this next part, money serves us as we serve God. Huh, wait a minute. Money serves us. Money serves us as we serve God. If we are serving God and not serving money, it flips the table completely. Before we were enslaved to money, money, what do you want me to do? Okay, I'll do that. Debt, what do I need to do to pay this off? Okay, I'll do that. Okay, lender, what do I need to do to take care of you? Okay, I'll do that. Slave, 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 slave. But now we're not serving money anymore. We're serving God. And now we're saying, God, what do you want me to do? Okay, I'll do it. God, what do you need me to do? Okay, I'll do it. And all of a sudden, we're serving God rather than money. And then money is still in the picture, and money can begin to serve us. In other words, when you're serving God, and God says, hey, I want you to go on a mission trip. And you're like, you know what? No problem, because I haven't been serving money. I've taken care of things, and I've got things in place. No big deal. I can go on a mission trip. Don't even have to ask anybody to help me out. I'm going. Yes, God, let's do it. All of a sudden, money is what? Serving you and helping you serve God. Man, you want to help someone? Well, I'm not serving money. I'm serving God. I've been wise. I've got this over here. You know what? I'm just going to help. 
Hey, I want to buy that for them. I want to bless them. Guess what you do if you've been serving God rather than the money and you've got what you need? You know what? You just go buy it for them. You bless them. It's a fun, fun thing. There is so much joy in giving and in generosity. And I'm just here to tell you there's a bunch of people in this room. You're probably sitting next to one right now who knows the joy of generosity. This is a very, very generous church. So when I'm teaching all this right now, I know that for the most of you, you're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and you could get up here and tell story after story after story. But for those of you that haven't re- realized this yet or experienced it, oh, we want you to experience it because it's so much fun. When you're serving God rather than the money, and all of a sudden money begins to serve you and what God wants you to do. When money begins to serve us as we serve God, the impact that we can have on our neighbors and our friends, the impact we can have on our city, the impact that we can have on our world. We are free to serve God. You cannot serve both God and money. As followers of Jesus, we don't serve money. We serve God. We're not in bondage to money anymore. We're not its slaves. We can be free to serve God and do what he wants us to do. There there are some of us in this room, we're under the power and the influence and the lure and the lies that money brings our way. And again, it's a heart issue. I'm not talking to your wallet right now. God's not speaking to your bank account right now. He's talking to your heart right now. If you're strapped, we want you to get unstrapped. We want you to leave, live free from the fear of that financial disparity can bring. We want you to live differently. If you're in bondage to money, let's break free. It begins with the decision on your part and my part to say, you know what? I'm not going to serve money anymore. I'm going to do what I've got to do to get where I need to get, but I'm going to do it not serving money. I'm going to serve God. And that's where some of you are this morning. It's a decision you need to make in your heart, regardless of where you are financially, regardless where you are with debt right now. You just need to decide, you know what? I'm not going to serve money anymore. I'm going to serve God. And I believe that serving God is the path to freedom. And we find that biblical principle everywhere. Serving God truly is in every way the path to freedom. Well, this Sunday and next Sunday, as we are talking about finances, needless to say, in just a couple of weeks and just, you know, 30, 40 minutes of time, I can't uh, give you everything you need and every tool that you need. And I'm not trying to sit up here like I'm some financial expert. But I want you to know that there are great tools out there that you can expose expose yourself to. But it's going to have to begin with you deciding, I'm not going to serve money anymore. I'm going to serve God. That's, that's the decision that has to be made. That's the turn that has to happen in your life. And when it does, I'll just go ahead and share one with you. We, we've offered it here at our church. We'll offer it again in the future. It's offered in other places. You don't have to get it here on our campus. We'd love to point you where this is offered. There's other great ones too, but I mentioned Dave Ramsey earlier. He gives a great tool out there called Financial Peace University. It's a nine-week course that will take you through just almost every aspect of finances, uh, from how to get out of debt how to save money, how to prepare for retirement, how to do life now with money. It's huge. It's massive. And I want to encourage you towards something like that and experience it. But it begins with you deciding, here and now, I'm not going to serve money anymore. I'm going to serve God. Let God free you. Become debt-free. Some of you are like, what's that? Become debt-free. 
Become a joy-filled giver. Become full of life and empty of financial fear. Well, let me speak to some of you in the room that maybe you're asking this question in your heart right now. You're like, well, why should I serve God? I mean, honestly, that's your question right now. Like, I hear what you're saying. It's a pretty good idea, but like, really, give me a good reason to serve God. Let me give you a really, really good reason to decide I'm no longer going to serve money and I'm going to serve God. We're in 1 Timothy. Turn over a couple of pages to 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse number 5, okay? 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 5. I'm going to wrap this whole thing up with this passage right here. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. So the picture that we're getting here is this idea, this truth, that if God is here and he is real and he is one and there is only one, that there's this group of us called humanity that's over here and there is a gap in between us that we just can't get from here to there. And the scripture here is teaching that there is a mediator who can reconcile, who can connect us, who can put us together. And it makes it very clear who he is. The man, Christ Jesus. Okay, Jesus, awesome. We sang about him this morning. And if you were listening as to what we sang about this morning, this is where we're going with all of this. Here's why you should decide to serve God. Because of Jesus. Listen to what it goes on to say. Verse 6. He, meaning Jesus, gave his life to purchase. Now, when we purchase something, we reach in our pocket and we pull out some cash or we reach in our wallet and we, we pull out a debit card or a credit card. We don't really purchase it in that moment. We just accrue debt. Or, or we, we whip out our watch and, you know, we put the old Apple Pay up there. Boop, boop, we're done. That's how we purchase things, right? We, we purchase things with money. Notice what it's saying here. Jesus Christ Gave his money, no, gave his what? His life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. And I'm believing with all of my heart, this is the message you need to hear right now. You need to hear that bigger and more important than your finances this morning, you need to hear that Jesus Christ purchased your freedom from your debt of sin that you cannot pay so that you could be reconciled to God. That's what he's done for you. So you ask me, like, why should you serve God rather than the money? Money hasn't given anything to help me. Like, it doesn't die for me. It doesn't rescue me. It eludes me all the time. Proverbs says money grows wings and it flies away. You ever had that happen? You're like, wait a minute, I thought I had more than that. Where did it go? It grew wings and flew away, and it was called your spending, right? And yet Jesus comes for us, and his coming for us looked like living in this life amongst people just like us, corrupt, loving money, and just serving money rather than God, and he lived for God amongst us and did it perfectly. And they put him on a cross, and he bled for my sin and for your sin. Suffered beyond our ability to comprehend. Bled there. Died there. 
did not stay dead, but came back from the dead on the third day. And if you wonder why followers of Jesus get excited about Jesus, I just told you why. He came back from the dead. You're like, wait a minute, it's not Easter. What are we talking about? We're talking about everything right now. We're talking about why we're here this morning. We're talking about why we live. We're talking about why we go to heaven. We're talking about why we give. We're talking about why we serve God rather than the money because of a risen Savior whose name is, help me out, church, Jesus. That's why we serve God and we don't serve money. That's why we do that. In just a moment, um, band's going to come on up and we're going to get ready to wrap our time up. I'm going to pray, and after that prayer, in just a moment, we're going to ask you to stand. And uh, during that time, song's going to begin, and we want to give you some ways to respond this morning. Uh, one of the ways that we want to give you to respond this morning is to consider, is to consider serving God, not money. And maybe that's the decision you need to make this morning. Maybe you're like, yeah, I'm be honest, I'm, I've been serving money, not God. We want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond and make that decision. Maybe for some of you, you're recognizing that you should serve God because Jesus died for your sin and he rose again. And you need to be saved today. You need to be rescued from your sin debt today. That can happen today. I'm talking about your sin debt being forever erased. Clean. Able to stand before God in the righteousness of Jesus. Heaven secure. Eternity with God, a done deal. Life completely different now. You can receive him today. There's going to be some people up front that you can come and you can talk to and pray with if you need that help. It's also going to be an opportunity to give. Uh, church, listen, if you're a believer and you're following Jesus, uh, I don't mind saying what we're talking about. It ought to be stirring our hearts up towards generosity. And again, I just love that as we talk about generosity this morning, we're not trying to create generosity out of nothing. There's already a heart and a spirit of generosity amongst this church. And the more that we give and the more generous we are, the more people that we can help find and follow Jesus. And so as you give this morning, thank you for your generosity. If it's your first time here this morning, we're just asking you to take that communication card, drop it in that offering bucket. You'll be glad you did. We'd love just to bless you a little bit. But this morning, we want to respond. Maybe you seem to sing to the top of your lungs about Jesus and how he paid your sin debt. Let me pray and after this prayer we'll stand.